0: скажи мне, американец, в чём сила?
1: А вы что, собираетесь на ней жениться?
2: Да. <толевые> Ух,
1: красота-то какая, лепота. Таможня даёт добро. И <толевые> 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 <толевые>
2: вообще не называй меня, пожалуйста, верой. Кто я? Вот кто это. Отныне
1: в русской земле единый can't live without Не Ali and this is the Files Unite podcast where we watch Russian films and films with a Russian connection. As always, I'm joined by a guest and today I'm actually joined by two guests, the first of whom is a returning guest. So, hi Jenny.
2: Hello, I just waved at the microphone. (laughs) Hello to you all.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't be the first person to do that. (laughs) Um, Yes, nice to have you back. It's way back... The second episode he ever released, released was uh, yeah. was your one. That's so. right,
2: yeah. No, glad to be back. Thanks very much for asking me. Obviously, I wasn't too terrible, so... Uh, unless maybe that's why it's taken you so long to ask me again.
1: <laughs> no comment.
2: <laughs> wow, that was cold.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's a delight to have you back on. Thank you. For anyone who hasn't caught that episode that you were on, the Moscow Doesn't Believe in Tears episode... Mm-hmm. Could you tell listeners a little bit about
2: yourself? Yeah, sure. So I'm Jenny. I work for the RSPB. So I spend a lot of time writing about birds, uh, mostly dead ones, actually. The sort of line of work I'm in is to do with illegal killing of of birds, of prey mostly. So anyway, that's a bit depressing to start off with, but (laughs) that's sort of what I do. I ended up doing this bizarre job, which I do enjoy, actually, by doing an English literature degree, I'm um, sure anyone else who has done an English Lit degree also comes out of it going, okay, what's, what's next?
1: Bird murder.
2: <laughs> yeah, the natural progression. <laughs> so I don't murder the birds, let me just be clear. <laughs> yes, that is
0: important. I condemn
2: the, the ones that do. Yes. Um, but yes, so I met Ali when I was at uni doing English literature. You were doing history, weren't you?
1: I was, yes. yes. Well, originally politics, but that's a long story.
2: Yeah, okay. I changed as well, actually. Oh, okay. I, I started off, because you know we did three subjects. Yes. I did English, philosophy, and psychology. Did you get in
1: on philosophy? No.
2: Yes. I liked philosophy, but I didn't like psychology. Mm. I found it a bit too science <laughs> which sounds stupid, but...
1: No, I can I can relate. Like, once I got to, like, A-level scientists, I was like, mm, yeah. no, I'm not that good at this. I like
2: sort of whimsical <laughs> theories I can handle, but actual facts and scientific <laughs> studies, what?
1: <laughs> once it starts to get empirical. <laughs>
2: once there's an actual real answer, yes or no, then it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard for me.
1: Yeah, I, I can relate to not wanting to be pinned down.
2: Yeah, but, well, I changed yeah. to creative writing, so obviously there's no wrong or right answers there. And it was, yeah, I enjoyed that. And actually, by chance, that, sort of turned turned out to define what I went on to do a little bit working for a newspaper before I worked for the RSPB so
1: and speaking of creative writing am I allowed to talk about this
2: (laughs) you can mention to the world that I'm writing a novel but I haven't told all that many people because it's one of these weird things where you feel a bit embarrassed because it sounds a bit like oh yeah I'm just you know writing my novel and everyone goes oh god another one (laughs) of those (laughs) it's probably rubbish Uh, okay (laughs) no I don't mind (laughs) But yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, so if you're listening to this podcast, you're not allowed to tell anyone <laughs> that Jenny's writing a novel until it's published. So yes. Yes. and don't
2: talk to him about it because it's really embarrassing to talk about. <laughs> okay. And it, by the way, everyone, it's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard to write a book.
1: Well, I it think... takes a
2: long time. <laughs> Who knew?
1: Yeah. Well, unless you're like Nadine Dorries and just do it alongside being a terrible mp
2: <laughs> yeah, sorry I no. got
1: way specific <laughs> and way personal
2: <laughs> oh i was gonna say about how i met you um mm. as well as through sort of our course and and um the, the literature and film element we did fencing together yes which is kind of cool and i haven't done since uni but at the time it was a really fun sport
1: yeah i think that that, that was essentially how we met because you yeah. know, obviously you know history students and english literature we students. don't talk to each other no
2: no (laughs) that's not true we have some things in common (laughs) we have a
1: lot of lot of stuff in common i mean like uniting against the scientists who say that oh well you're not (laughs) going to be able to get a job after you graduate
2: (laughs) even though they're right (laughs) yeah
1: yeah anyway so i did allude to the fact that there's two guests today so carrie's very much been biding her time patiently so
0: sorry while i ramble on (laughs) hey (laughs) carrie (laughs) that's fine i just thought it was a bit awkward if I jumped in on the conversation before I'd been officially introduced. Yeah,
1: and I was doing a very poor job of like (laughs) giving you an opportunity to be introduced.
0: It's fine. I can be patient.
1: So, Carrie, you've been on quite a few episodes already. Yes, I have. But for people just joining us...
0: Uh, I'm legally required to be in this apartment. (laughs) (laughs) That's even colder. Yeah
2: a
1: little bit more context than that
0: Ali and I are married yes um, so the legal requirement aspect is because I'm from the states and as part of the whole immigration stuff improving our relationship is real you know living together is one of the ways that you do that mm. so technically in order to stay in this country you know we're kind of legally required to live together however <laughs> we, otherwise they wouldn't be exactly <laughs> We try to spend as little time with one another as possible
1: right (laughs) how do i follow that um but yeah so beyond being my spouse and you know being crowbarred into this (laughs) episode uh
0: i studied russian language and literature in university um and the book well, the book that the movie that we're watching is based off of was one of the ones that we read and its author is held up as the greatest Russian author that there is and all this other stuff so we actually did watch this movie in university too mm. um, so that's where my connection comes in Ali one in my quote unquote expertise there's
2: more expertise than I have well I'm coming in very fresh to this so we'll have a
0: nice mix of yeah we news. will although I kind of feel bad being saying like oh it's my expertise because then if I get absolutely anything wrong you mean you can't remember everything spot on from what you studied in university
2: oh. <laughs> i know
0: it was only oh, last week <laughs>
2: 10 plus years ago like... the stuff that i used to know and i now do not know is worrying <laughs> yeah i sometimes look yeah. through like if i'm back at my parents look through old textbooks or things and i, I wrote that essay wow it's like really good like how did i write that
0: <laughs> and i've long forgotten all of those points that i made yeah mm-hmm. mm. scary yeah I feel the same way about this kind of stuff and I didn't do any research beforehand because I know Ali likes people to come in with like as little knowledge as possible. Not as little knowledge as possible. <laughs> to make him look really good. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, it's all an elaborate scheme to make me seem like this.
0: It's more like to give people an idea of what the, watching the movie is actually like so that you're getting people's real impressions, initial mm-hmm. impressions, so that if you choose to watch the movie yourself, you get that kind of good idea about it. It's all very accessible. Exactly.
1: Yeah. But future guests, feel free to do research if you want to. It's not a mandatory, like, you're not allowed to know anything. <laughs> anyway. Um, so there was a specific reason, Jen, why I wanted you on this particular film. Mm-hmm. Kind of to fulfil a promise I made on the last episode you were on, that if yes. you were back, that we would be discussing a period drama.
2: Yay! I do love a costume drama, gotta say.
1: Yes, Um, In fact, I was just re-listening to the episode, and you described Little Women, I think it was like the 90s one, as Mm -hmm. being possibly your favourite film.
2: Yeah, I think it probably is. I think a lot of my favourite films, I don't know if anyone else has this, were kind of defined in your early teens, or maybe even before that. But certainly, I remember watching Little Women, and I've watched it at various stages throughout my life since then. And it's so good! (laughs) It's so sad, it's so well put together, and it's... I mean, I don't even have any sisters, but so relatable even though they're sort of women from New England in the sort of 1860s. But there's universal themes. Without smartphones. That. Without smartphones. Maybe it was a better world. But they did have <laughs> Scarlet Fever, so mm, it's uh, yeah. swings and roundabouts.
1: You win some, you lose some, yeah. Oh.
2: Uh,
1: but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's always a good sign for a film if you can come back to it, you know, this sounds awful, later in life, but look, yeah. a few years on and still, and still, still relate to it, it and not just be like... Yeah huh, what was I like that I liked?
2: (laughs) Totally, yeah. I mean, I guess it's music as well, when Hmm. you can still listen to the same songs that you heard when you were younger and still enjoy them and not think, wow, that was very much my teenage self and I've now moved on. Maybe I just haven't evolved since (laughs) since I was 12. (laughs) Could be that, it could be that. (laughs)
0: Whereas I'm very much embarrassed by most of the music that I listened to when I was 12 and I don't listen to it anymore. (laughs) Like what I want to (laughs) hear? Well, for, oh, jeez, stuff like Backstreet Boys oh, and yeah. Spice Girls and whatnot, it's like my parents put up with the having that in their house. But yeah. then if Spice, Spice you, Girls Dad, came on the
2: radio right now, you wouldn't just be like singing along, surely?
0: I, I'd probably be like mock laugh singing along, um, but not actually, not actually enjoying, enjoying it. it.
1: <laughs> You're allowed to enjoy it ironically. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Whereas I probably just would enjoy it. Like my um I do this dance class and they put S Club seven on for the last song to sort of stretch to. Oh. Reach for goodness. the Stars, come on guys. If you wanna feel good, you listen to Reach mm. for the Stars, it's a great tune. <laughs> <laughs> They just looked at me like, I might actually have to leave the building right now. <laughs> or was S Club 7
1: something that travelled across the Atlantic carry, or were you spared that? Well, it
2: was like I Hawaii 7 or, or Miami 7 initially as a TV show, mm, but it was yeah. still British.
1: Yeah.
0: It was pretty bad. I don't remember. Pop culture has never been my strong point, as Ellie knows. <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't read anything into that, love. Listeners, please. <laughs> Uh, um so period dramas mm. what makes a good one and Ooh. what's the appeal
2: well for me i think it's kind of inhabiting a different life and world um i guess maybe in the same way as you might enjoy sort of fantasy or something that's different from the here and now so something that's very real and, and now is, is great as well but i do quite often like imagining or kind of inhabiting a a life that's very different to my own Um, and I just like history I guess I like the past I'm very fascinated by how people did things differently then and what life you know imagining what life might have been like for just an ordinary person you know like yourself to sort of go back and and be in that time so I guess it's kind of an insight you get to live this other life that you'd obviously never get to really visit unless you could time travel it's to Mm -hmm. me the closest to time traveling potentially
1: yeah definitely definitely. although i
2: I did read something good um which i remembered as i was driving over here today and it was about because there's a lot of um talk i know about whenever there's a a historical sort of adaptation or a a period drama it's how close it is to reality obviously Mm. that can be a problematic thing with the new sort of Mary queen of Scots film you know how have they just shoehorned a few bits in for sort of uh, artistic license or to make a good story. Even cool. the Bohemian Rhapsody film, you know, yeah. how much of that is absolutely on the nail true. But for me, it's kind of like, it was this quote that I read, I can't remember who who said it, but it said, all history lies to us, at least historical fiction is honest about that. <laughs> and I thought that was kind of cool, because the past is a very, you know, hard to put your finger on place. You know, history is very mixed and you, different theories fall in and out of favour and you never really know what it was like but at least with historical fiction you know it's supposed to be fiction.
1: (laughs) Yeah it's not somebody presenting a version. I mean you'd hope with an honest historian that any bias is unconscious bias Mm, but there's always the possibility that somebody has an agenda and they're like deliberately spinning things a certain way. Well
2: even the first um, hand sources you're reading, whoever's written that has got some agenda and they feel a certain way, or you know, the whole kind of history is written by the victors, kind of sort of idea.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. My my whole degree <laughs> essentially saying, well, this person can we trust them because X, Y, Z? Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: and yeah. I think that's where co- costume dramas have a bit of an advantage because if you're going based off of a book or or some story that isn't actually like this happened. You're not going to have that level of debate or mm. that type of spin around what the story that you're telling. It's just is this a compelling story mm. that yes. was set in this time?
2: Yeah, as yeah. long as it's
0: not too way off, and you think, okay, yeah, yeah. why is a sort of
2: some sort of car driving along down the street where the, Ma- <laughs> the March sisters are going off for Christmas or whatever? It's like that would be obviously make yeah. you completely not agree with it and and not relate to it, and you'd go you'd walk out the cinema, but.
1: No, no, this is just a deeply uh, revisionist take, or it's, it's <laughs> surrealism. Yeah. We're just in- deliberately introducing anachronistic elements, not because we couldn't be bothered to research. <laughs> so in terms of the specific thing that we're watching, Carrie, you've already alluded to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, we're watching Eugene Anyagin or is it Yevgeny Anyagin
1: I think the film is just called Anyagin
0: Oh, okay. So we're watching Onyegin. Uh I apparently didn't know that that's what the movie was called. The book is called Eugene Onyegin, or sometimes Yevgeny Onyegin.
1: Yevgeny is a bit more Russian sounding. It is.
0: It is. But the translation of the name is Eugene, so it's not entirely yeah. inaccurate. It's
1: one of those ones that tends to get like...
0: Mm-hmm. I prefer Yevgeny Yegin, but yeah. there's, there are differing opinions, so we will allow those to exist.
1: No. It must be stamped out. It's
0: my opinion or nothing.
2: (laughs) Um.
1: (laughs) Sorry, this podcast suddenly got very, like...
2: I'm getting carried away now. (laughs) It's like being on stage. I'm showing off now. (laughs) Be quiet, Jenny, for God's sake. (laughs)
0: Uh, I don't know. What what did you want me to say? So,
1: well, you alluded to the status of the author. Mm,
0: Yeah, Pushkin is considered... Like a, a demigod, um, and he's certainly their greatest author. Like, if you go into a museum and there's a portrait of Pushkin, they will have like some sort of rope around it to keep you a certain distance away from the portrait. Wow. Mm. Like, as opposed to the portraits of the other authors and uh, other people that they have hanging on the walls. Um, he's just that revered. He's kind of like he, or Pushkin is to Russian literature what Shakespeare is to. Mm-hmm. Um, English literature in many ways, except Pushkin um, didn't just write plays; he wrote poetry, he wrote short stories. Um, the book Evgeny and Yegin itself is a novel in the form of poems, so it's a series of sonnets that oh, wow. put together create a novel. So it's it's a hybrid form of writing, which is another, which is a characteristic of Russian writing. What period are we talking? Early eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Okay. So
1: he, whilst he has this kind of. Shakespearean status in Mm. Russian literature. He's much more recent. Sure.
2: So Um, it's more like sort of when Jane Austen was being published. Exactly.
1: Um, Yeah, he was a little bit younger. I think he was born in 1798 or 1799. Okay. So he was... Yeah, he was a kid and growing up when Jane Austen was around.
0: Mm, Okay. But still, it's it's a similar sort of era. Um, But he was, I think, the first really huge writer that wrote in modern Russian so that's how he gets his big sort of a deal and uh, yeah, that's part of how he got to be such a big deal Yeah, Russia.
1: he kind of put Russian on the like European cultural map as a language that you could write yeah. literature in because it was like previous it kind of had to be but he, French or English. But he wasn't
0: yeah. as revered in his own time no. as he is now. Okay, I do think that's important. To, <laughs> yeah, he had, yeah, yeah. he had trouble paying his bills because his writing wasn't selling at mm. some certain points, and because like a lot of noble people, he was living well above his means. But that's a completely different topic. Interesting. Yeah. Okay,
2: although
1: we may get on to that in terms of the discussion of the of the film, perhaps because um, mm-hmm. it's more or less a contemporary set piece. It's not
0: yeah like, for the time. Yeah, it would have mm-hmm. been a set in. Modern times as if you're writing a novel about stuff that's happening today. Sure.
1: Awesome, yeah. well, thank you very much for that mm-hmm. little intro to to uh, Pushkin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I nearly forgot what
0: the name. Who is he? Yeah, really famous. That, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, With I mean, the it... sideburns.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had.
0: A, he had. A... Look up a picture of Pushkin. You I really have see. to. His sideburns are impressive. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 Kind of quite curly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. But then part of that was. His descent.
0: Yeah, he had a great-grandfather or something like that who was African. I might. I really. Yeah. I grandfather, he, maybe?
1: I think it was his grandfather, yeah.
0: I couldn't remember which generation it was. But yeah, that that guy was a a favorite of Peter the Great in his court. Yeah. And so that's how that ancestry came to be yeah. fascinating. for him. Oh, yeah. Maybe you want to go home and research a load about Pushkin. Sounds yeah. No, it's, yeah. It's,
1: it's cool. Yeah. When, when you know that fact about him, you kind of go, oh, okay. Yeah. You can kind of, yeah, tell has some African mm. ancestry, he doesn't look like stereotypically Russian.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, he does have like the Mr. Darcy sideburns <laughs> and then some. Awesome. So in terms of the specific adaptation we're watching, it's not actually a Russian film. We sometimes branch out and watch some Western takes. Um, So this one is from 1999 and was directed by Martha Fiennes.
2: A relation to the other Fiennes?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. It's actually Rafe and... uh, Joseph? Yeah, he was in... He was Shakespeare in Love, wasn't he? Shakespeare in Love, yes. The better looking Fiennes brother. Yeah. It's probably not
0: but conscious. less successful one yeah <laughs> at least it was
2: either or I mean if one of them was the successful good looking one it'd be like oh awkward family Christmases <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you the black sheep who doesn't do anything that
0: must be what like isn't there three Hemsworth brothers there's like Chris Liam and another one like, <laughs> what, what, I think the other one isn't involved in acting at all but what mu- what must it feel like to be that other brother or Hemsworth the other chuckle brother? brother there's apparently three of them
1: oh yeah,
2: really? I know huh. crazy stuff
1: Hmm. anyway that is, that is on a different end of the spectrum <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed yes uh rest in peace barry chuckle um yeah uh, american listeners or listeners outside of the uk to be honest you might just need to google the chuckle brothers stuff.
2: and please do <laughs> and then feel free to send us your questions <laughs> what are they, why are they carrying ladders all the time <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah to me
0: to you <laughs> exactly see
1: you've lived here a while
0: I've lived here a while. I, I get this reference. Is it on the citizenship exam? <laughs> no, but it would make a lot more sense if that question were on there than some of the <laughs> other ones.
1: Well, you say, yeah, I was going to say, you say that. That's the sort of thing that might be on there just because it's so random. It's not like...
0: Yeah, but people actually talk about that kind of thing. What no, stuff did you get asked? Well, I've only done like looked at some practice tests, but okay. like some of the questions on there will be things like, who set up the first curry shop and in what year in Birmingham?
2: Well, every English person knows
0: that. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) That's so hard. Wow. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Chuckle Brothers, like, (laughs) if if they had something on there like, which comedy duo said to me, to you, to me, to you, like, that would make sense. which
2: of these was not one of the two Chuckle Brothers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think it would still be kind of harsh to deny somebody citizenship over the fact that they don't know who the Chuckle Brothers (laughs) are, but...
2: (laughs) yeah. That would be pretty bad.
1: <laughs> call me, you know, call me a bleeding heart liberal. <laughs>
0: it's better than not knowing the name of the guy who first opened the first curry restaurant. Did, yeah. Who is it incidentally? I have <laughs> no idea, I don't remember. I did not study this well, I just looked at some of this stuff. Well, yeah. your
1: prospect backs look pretty dim.
0: I know. <laughs>
2: Actually, my Australian friend has done... It was life in the UK test. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And she had got loads of history questions that mm. were... I I didn't know the answer to a lot of those.
1: No, that's the common response from people who are actually like, well, it's a good thing we don't all have to do this. Yeah,
2: be, the whole country would just be empty. Yeah,
1: uh-huh. right, exile for me. Apart
2: from a few Chuckle Brothers fans. Yeah. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Moving off politics.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh I'll just randomly diss Nadine Dorries again just so I can <laughs> my edit around that. Um yeah, so so Martha Fines. Yeah, sibling of the other.
0: Is she older time. or younger?
1: You're <laughs> highlighting the, <laughs> the, the difficult
0: question number
1: on one. one. Yeah, shallowness of my research. I wanna say she's slightly older.
2: Just make uh, it up, it's fine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what that, that's what IMDb is for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so I think this was just I watched a couple of extras from the DVD yesterday. It turns out this was like a massive passion project for Rafe Fines and his sister had done directing work before, but not actually directed a movie. Okay, but he was kind of like he talked to her about it, and she was super interested in doing it as well. So.
0: And yeah. there were no major, difficult, complicated fight scenes. So hey, you can handle this.
1: Well, with I, I no don't know.
0: experience.
1: <laughs> well, indeed, indeed. But I mean, it wasn't like she was working some totally random, non-related job. And, like yeah, yeah. nepotism. Is
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How interesting, though, to be directed by your sister.
0: I hope he did as what he was told. <laughs>
2: the fight yeah. scenes were actually sibling rivalry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I I can't imagine working with one of my sisters and having to take orders from them every single day (laughs) like that. Like that would just... Any of us would have set stuff on fire by the end. (laughs) Yeah, It it just wouldn't have gone well. Yeah, It would have been
2: fine for me if I was probably the director because I'm a younger brother and he'll back me on this one. Um, I was quite bossy as a child. So (laughs) when we played together and, you know, with Lego or whatever it was, and I'd be like, no, it doesn't work like that. No, you must do it like this. And he was very obliging. But I think as he's grown now, if I tried to do that in a film scenario, do this, do that, he'd be like, no, You're <laughs> get away, me. get out of it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah I think... Uh, an answer a, you well. Yeah, as an eldest sibling myself, I think my younger brothers would be very much like, yeah, if you were directing me, you'd just be bossy and condescending and awful. <laughs> so no, not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, I have no ambitions in that direction. But uh,
0: they yeah. also have no ambitions in the acting direction. So, what are you
1: talking about? They're... it's going to be a star.
0: <laughs> Which one, Matt or Andrew?
1: Uh, let's go with Matt. <laughs> okay. It's news to you. Matt. He doesn't listen to
0: this. So this is <laughs> Hey, Matt and Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: Andrew might listen to this. It's the sort of thing he would do, and then not tell me. Oh. <laughs> uh, whereas Matt would just be like, no. This is your weird Russian film podcast. I
0: <laughs> well, I haven't worry. listened to any episodes yet. Harsh. Oh, Neither have I. Even, well, you I don't, well, I, listen, well, I already hear half the conversation anyway. Yeah, <laughs> fair like, enough. Why do I need to listen to this again? You get behind the scenes. Exactly.
1: <laughs> but I'd like to think that the other half is the interesting half of the conversation, not my half.
0: <laughs> well, I, you can kind of figure out what's going on based off of what's happening. So it's, it's just...
1: Fair enough. That's a ringing endorsement. But anyway,
0: <laughs> I'm basically saying I've already listened to it. Yeah.
1: Fair. All right. All right. I'll stop giving you a hard time. Um. Yeah. We anyway, just probably watch this thing. Yeah.
2: Let's get let's got onto it. Let's get amongst it. Yes. <laughs>
1: I've been I've...
2: watching too the Danny Dyer history thing.
1: Oh. Okay. It's I really haven't... good. It's really I random. Seen any of it? It does sound like it would be random.
2: It's fun. It's fun. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, you can edit that bit out. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, do you remember from last time what we say?
2: Not the Uh, word. I remember there is a word. Okay. And it's fun to say, but I don't remember what the word is.
1: Well, Carrie, could you introduce the word?
0: So the word is basically let's go Mm -hmm. in in Russian, and it's паехали. Паехали. Yes.
1: All right. And why is it a thing?
0: That's what Yuri Gagarin said before he, before they, Blasted him off into space. Oh yes. wow! Okay.
1: So as we launch into the film, I wanted to, you know, do a little Russian cultural reference.
2: Nice, clever. I like it.
1: Yeah, I- I'm sure long time listeners are like we heard you say this like, um... thirty plus times. <laughs> anyway, never mind. Okay, so three, two, one.
2: Broccoli. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm never being asked that. <laughs> I'm not drunk, I promise We did have Unless breakfast you did put it. something in that sangria Well, aside from the champagne, no
1: <laughs> Prosecco, Carrie, come on
0: That's true, it was Prosecco
1: Yeah, you, you don't want the listeners to think we're too decadent
0: <laughs> No, we just had Prosecco for breakfast
1: Oh, I'm just making so much money off this podcast That it's just all champagne and caviar <laughs>
0: No, I don't think you've made anything off of this podcast.
1: No, probably not. Anyway. Uh, Anyway, yes.
2: Not even HelloFresh. They advertise on everyone's.
1: Nope. Well, now you're
0: making me feel really bad. (laughs) Not MeUndies, not Casper, not...
1: Squarespace. Squarespace.
0: Squarespace? None of them. yeah none of them
2: at all there's still time we've Sox. just given them a shout out so they'll send a box I'm sure that's yeah. how it
1: works <laughs> if you mention them they're legally obliged to send you some <laughs> random goodies
2: <laughs> Should we try again and yeah. I, I won't be silly
1: I don't trust you now
2: <laughs> I've forgotten what it is now so I'm just going to I'm pinecally. Pinecally.
0: okay
1: okay three two one pinecally.
0: Pinecally.
1: And we're
2: back. Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, So Jenny, Carrie and I have just watched Anyegin, aka (laughs) One Gin. Which was
2: one gin too many than I should have had. It was actually, I have to say, when I I had the breakfast sangria, which I presumed was non-alcoholic listeners, had a little bit of Prosecco in, so...
1: (laughs) Well, you know, we just like to oil the wheels around here... (laughs) As previous listeners uh, will be aware on occasion.
0: So, aside from our penchant to have a drink with our meal,
2: breakfast as well—it yeah. was
0: brunch. <laughs> You're allowed That's to fine. have a drink at brunch. That is fine, actually.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. brunch covers a multitude of sins. <laughs> anyway, you probably don't want to hear hear this, listeners. We you probably want to hear what we thought about the movie. But before we get on to our thoughts, just a quick overview of the plot from Jenny, so if you don't want to know what happens, this is the time to pause the podcast, watch the movie, and then come back.
0: (laughs) Because there will be spoilers, since it's based off of a 200-year-old book, so there's that.
1: Yeah, but not everyone's got round to reading everything. True,
0: (laughs) but this isn't like a movie that just came out and...
2: It's we're... not like we've had access to the Game of Thrones script and we're about to, like, divulge it for the whole world to hear. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You're not supposed to tell anyone about that. <gasps> oh, is
2: so sorry. Right? I right, told
1: we're... George R. R. Martin we could be trusted.
2: We'll cut that one out in post. All right. So, yeah, my plot summary, um, basically, let me just clarify how to pronounce his name once mm-hmm. more.
1: Yevgeny Anyagin. Anyagin. Mm-hmm.
2: Anyagin. Okay, Anyagin. So, Yegin inherits his uncle's mansion in the country. He pops along there and meets the neighbours. They have two pretty, very charming daughters. Uh, one is already engaged to his friend, a guy called... Oh, I can't remember. Vladimir something. Mm-hmm. Played by Toby Stevens. Um, and she is Olga, played by Lena Headey, as we noticed. the Game of Thrones reference. Cersei, yeah. Exactly. Very different role, though. Um, and the other daughter... Is a sort of muse-like Liv Tyler. She is called Tatiana. And she falls for Onyegin and writes him a letter declaring her love. He rather patronisingly um, tells her she doesn't know what she's talking about. She's very young and impressionable. And she'll get over it, basically.
1: <laughs> oh, goodness me, it was very patronising. <laughs> Wasn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was
2: on her birthday as well. Poor girl. Yeah. But yeah, she's very sort of deep. And she was very hurt by this. And um, so then that happens. And then also Egin sort of upsets the apricot again by dancing with Olga, Cersei. Um, and Toby Stevens is very upset about this. Challenges him to a duel in true poet style. Obviously, Toby Stevens gets shot. Well done. Um, so now everyone's all very upset. And he sort of leaves. Fast forward six years. Tatiana has married very well, and Onegin has decided he does love her after all, but it's too late.
1: Excellent. That was a great <laughs> summary. It condensed a lot of stuff into, yeah, very good, short, concise, and now I'm waffling. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I felt like I wasn't concise. There was a bit of ums and ahs there, but
0: yeah. <laughs> no, that, that covers all the major plot points, um, but yeah, it... it... It was fairly faithful to the books and the book book's plot. Yep. It follows the major arcs. It follows the major character developments. Mm-hmm. There are some things that it condenses and shortens. For example, the, it has the the conversation between Yevgeny and Tatiana about the letter that Tatiana wrote yeah. happening the same day as her birthday. Mm-hmm. In the book, those are two completely separate events. Okay. And he gives her the sermon and it's really a sermon telling her why she doesn't actually love him mm. and why he's right and she's wrong. And then the dance is a completely different thing. and mm. It's a different thing happening. So, you know, it's a movie. They have to condense. Um, but the big thing they left out was there's this weird dream sequence kind of in the middle of the book that Tatiana has while she's in love with Anyagen, And it's supposed to be like, her dreams are telling her future and what's going to happen and what her fate is going to be. Oh, yeah, there's a lot about fate, wasn't there? Yeah, and that's completely out of the book, or not the book, the movie. Yeah,
1: because there's sort of like animals and like mm-hmm. animal monster creatures, and it's really mm. quite. I mean, this is an this is an anachronistic word to use, but quite surreal. Mm-hmm. Is it um, almost
2: like his drawings? Because we had that in the in the movie. He the. Um, Ray Fine's character kind of draws lots of these crazy, slightly surreal, inky drawings that she mm-hmm. sees and looks at, and she's like, Is this what Petersburg's really like? You know, city life. And it it's seemed kind of even, monstrous.
0: It's even worse than that because it's like real character, but it'd be like a real bear. Okay. Like, sit and, and foxes and wolves and whatnot sitting around a table eating dinner. Oh, crazy. Like, they were high society people and yeah. Anjagin is there with them.
2: I remember one drawing had a woman as like a bird's yeah. beak sort yeah. of thing. Maybe mm, it was a bit
0: like yeah.
2: that. As
1: well. Yeah. Yeah, mm. it is. It, it's super weird. I kind of... I, I've read Anjagin quite recently but I must admit not a lot stuck with me. Yeah. But that dream sequence is very strange and she like foresees uh, Lensky's death at the hands of Anjagin. I mean, it's not... Like, it's not super spelled out. It's Mm. like a knife and, you know... Some doom. Yeah. And it's quite surprising in a way that they left it out because it...
2: It sounds quite key, yeah. But I I can see why that would be hard to film. It might look a bit stupid, a bit comedy. Yeah. Because it's a very serious, Mm. brooding film yeah bears eating dinner might look a bit jarring
0: potentially if they did it wrong
1: yeah i can see in 19
0: difficult and expensive to do and you yes. wouldn't have had the cgi at that yeah. point to be able to do it right so i can see why they might have maybe yeah. there wasn't a fine sibling that was a cgi specialist so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes um
0: i i can see why that the, what they did have as far as reading the fate thing was um their old nanny at Uh, Olga and Tatiana's nanny spilling wax into a bowl of water, and then she'd read the wax to see what was going to happen in their futures and who they were going to marry. I mean, we've all done it. Oh, yeah. So uh, (laughs) playing MASH on the school bus on the way home. Um, You have to explain that one. Yeah, MASH. What's MASH? That's an American thing? Yeah. Oh, so it's like who you're going to marry... Um, what kind of house, H is for what kind of house you're going to live in. S is for, I don't know, one of them is job and the other is how many kids you're going to have or something. Wow. But how does it work? I, I don't even remember. I just remember, I just remember, distinctly remember doing this. It was like, you pick a number and you cross different options off and it's three that you'd like and one that you'd hate. Okay. So you're like, you know, you live in a mansion, a oh no that's what it is a mansion apartment a shack or a house that's <laughs> what mash stands for so it's so you're like which are you going to live okay. in uh-huh. you know what are you going to be when you grow up and all this other stuff okay. Um
2: the only thing i remember was vaguely similar to that was like a coke can and you did the um after you'd sort of flick the thing you do out al- you do that al- alphabet so like a I-
1: ring pull yes
2: yeah. So after you'd flick the ring pole, you'd go A, B, C, D, and then the number it broke off at was going to be the, the surname of the guy you married. <laughs>
1: really? <laughs> well, this is obviously one that completely passed me by as a, <laughs> as a young man growing up in secondary school.
2: <laughs> obviously, much more sensible than us silly
0: girls.
1: <laughs> that's not what I meant.
0: But... Sounds bad, though, doesn't it? Like, that's what we mm, did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's just how the whole you must have a man, you must be in a relationship thing um, was bad for us even when we were kids. And then this is 200 years ago. Mm. The movie was 200 years ago. The book was 200 years ago. Then it was like, if you're a woman, you must be married.
2: Well, that was very strongly spelled out, wasn't it?
0: Oh, yeah. It
2: almost like, was it a different old lady that was dying in the bed and she was saying, oh, she must marry." I don't
1: think she was actually dying. I just think she was just
0: lazy. She was elderly and rich and she was basically like, well, my poor cousins are coming to visit me and I don't feel like getting out of yeah. bed just so <laughs> yeah. they can come visit me while I am in bed. I
2: quite liked her. She was a very sort of minor character, but yeah, she basically spelled out, she must make a good match. She has one season to impress the right man. Otherwise they only be have the
1: up. money for one season. That's
2: right, yeah yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. She has this kind of visor for reading.
0: Yes, I wondered what that was. Yeah. Oh,
1: I assume that's what it was, like for <laughs> shading Probably, her eyes. Yeah,
0: yeah. But it was basically she has one winner um, of balls and whatnot to to meet somebody who wants to marry her, or else she's going to be either a spinster or a courtesan.
1: <laughs> those it's are the like, two things.
0: Those are your only options.
1: <laughs> and they're presented like they're equally bad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, mm. But,
0: but, but Yevgeny's not married at all, doesn't get married, no intentions of getting married. And there's no pressure, no one cares. It's okay. But there's another princess in the story who's, like, 30 and is completely washed up. Oh, and yeah. how terrible. Disgrace. Yeah. On the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. So it is, it is very strong on that, like, element of what society was like. I mean,
0: yeah.
1: I don't remember the, the book as well as that. I mean, certainly...
0: The the book still shows that. I mean, and with something like that coming, I don't think it's quite as, uh... On the uh, nose? No, it's not quite as on the nose, and it's a little bit less sarcastically critical than we were just now. But it is very much pointing out that it's like, poor Tatiana, she's being forced into having to marry someone she doesn't love, and when she doesn't want to get married. And it is pointing out that, like, no one's pressure, no one is, and no one ever has said that Onyegin has to get married. And at one point mm-hmm. he specifically says, I'm not made for marriage. I'm yeah. not going to get married. Like he's he, There's no motivation for him to get married. Yeah, yeah. there's no need to. But yeah, yeah, for them,
2: it's financial security. You know, They sort mm-hmm. of said love is a luxury. They were quite mocking of the idea that she wants to marry for love. I mm-hmm. guess one thing is that may, they might maybe have to spell that out a bit more for modern viewers on a film, whereas the book written in that contemporary time, everyone would have just known that that was so... Mm. So it wouldn't be having Mm. to be spelled Mm. out because that's how everybody knew that life was, whereas obviously it's not like that now, so they maybe have to make more of that in the film.
1: Yeah. At the same time, I felt like the film wasn't spelling everything out like, no, you, audience, you're dumb and don't know anything about anything, so we're just going to explain everything about this time period in a very clunky Mm -hmm. way because we just don't... Give yeah. you enough credit to figure things out. No, it was
2: quite subtly done. It wasn't too clunky. Yeah. Did you like it? What did everybody think about it?
1: Ooh. I did with a certain amount of reservation. How about... Um... I liked the book better than the
0: movie. Okay. Which I realise is such a cliche thing to say, <laughs> but it's well, just... so learned, Harry. Well, no, it's just the the book has all kinds of small details in it that of course you have to leave out in a movie. You don't like it's an hour 45 or something like that. You don't have a lot to play with here. And if they had made it any longer, we would have been like, good God, it keeps dragging, (laughs) just like cut it down. But the beauty of the book is the fact that it's poetry and in the way it's Mm. written and in the, the visual image, the image is that he paints with the way he writes. And it's a different medium from film. And I think the the way the film is shot, it's very much trying to be atmospheric and having beautiful shots and doing things in that way. And the costuming is Mm. definitely, like, gorgeous. Um, But it's just... I just... I've read the book first. I liked the book first. And I think I'm going to stick with what I liked first. Yeah. It's not that it's a bad
2: movie. I just... It's fairly highly reasonable, really. I mean, that's often the case isn't it with a book you get Mm -hmm. more of the characters introspection and you kind of hear what they're thinking and understand more of it because it's you get deeper into it i suppose the the film could just be a sort of very quick representation of all that
1: yeah i mean you've got more time with the book for Mm. stuff to build i
2: suppose and you spend more time with the book don't you you might read it over a month or whatever Mm. whereas a film it only really impacts your life for couple of hours or something was maybe something in that
1: yeah yeah although it's possibly more concentrated in yes. you know everything is imagined for you and right in front of yeah, you yeah true like i've kind of embarrassed to admit this but like i did read the book and it just like i didn't really take it in particularly mm. like it didn't leave a very strong impression i'm kind of having to go back to things and go oh yeah okay was that how it happened so it may have just been that i wasn't Reading it at a point where I had lots of mental energy to, <laughs> to give to processing it. One thing that did strike me was I feel like the film was slightly more sympathetic to Anyegin than the movie is. I mean, the movie.
0: Okay. And what the book was more.
2: was less
1: sympathetic. Ah.
0: Mm, I didn't get that impression. Oh,
1: okay. No, I, I felt like the. The book was a bit like, "Oh well, he's a bit of a fop, I mean, there is some of that in,
2: yeah, for me, watching it he didn't seem very very sympathetic at all. He was very sort of I guess aloof and quite unfeeling, not very good at well, he didn't really care about other people. He reminded me a bit of the character he plays in the Duchess and mm. um, Duke of Devonshire, where he's obviously you know very sort of high and mighty, and really just kind of does his own thing, regardless again, it's that sort of aristocratic Ralph Fiennes sort of character.
1: <laughs> yeah, because he's he's a very, very good actor. But he there's kind of like when he's not doing something that's different, it's kind of like a almost like revert to Ray Fine's aloof performance. Yeah.
2: He's never lovable, is he? He's never cuddly and jolly.
1: <laughs> no. But on the other hand, like when I don't know if you've seen Schindler's List. Yeah. He's like absolutely terrifying in that. Mm. But it's like terrifying. He's a good villain. Yeah, good. Whereas By this one is more yeah, sneery. Yeah, and that's. I feel like there's more films that I've seen him when he's doing that more kind of sneery thing. Mm. I don't know if you've seen in Bruges.
2: Oh yes, yeah. Because he's right.
1: very different. He's like shouting and angry and like
0: mm-hmm. again <laughs> unsympathetic though.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But in the in the book, the there's a. I think that just a character or clarify. I think Fiennes does an excellent job of playing a Njegin, and that is definitely the way Onegin is read in in the book and the way that the character comes off but mm-hmm. there's a certain amount there's the narrator in the book kind of feels sympathy for Onegin or has pity on him okay. and I think he's trying to make a statement that look you know St. Petersburg society is totally vapid mm-hmm. and unbearable and Onegin just kind of reacts to it in this way and it's these are the types of people that we're churning out and creating because this is the way that we've structured society. Mm-hmm. There was a bit of a town and country theme, mm-hmm. wasn't mm-hmm. there?
1: Very much so. Like, there's this whole bit where Lenski and Anjegin have a bit of an altercation prior to the duel where...
2: Yes, about one of them being one of the sisters that he's into, that the poet guy is into, yeah, Olga, Olga, being a bit provincial.
1: Yeah, and he... Liansky, like literally says, you think she's provincial, don't, don't you? And he's like, mm, yes, actually.
0: <laughs> and so do you, actually, if you think about it, yeah. yeah. And you also are provincial. Yeah. As opposed to me, the slick city sophisticate.
2: Yes, and the, the mum was talking about sort of like, and I think the tutor as well, you know, if they are to make it in society, they have to be sort of civilised and sophisticated to, um, and sort of shake off their provincial roots and that sort of an, an old-fashioned sort of thing. But then there's also that feeling that actually they were having quite a nice time in the country. It was quite old fashioned, but everyone seemed quite happy. And it was summer there. I noticed that they set it was all sort of mostly in summer. Mm. And then in Petersburg, it was all winter and harsh and cold and all the people were kind of the same.
1: Yeah, yeah. Although the mother, she makes a comment where you feel like actually she misses the city life and she ended up just out in kind of like the sticks
2: that's right through marriage yeah she said you came up here to the country by choice whereas she ended up here because she'd obviously
0: married a country lord or whatever
2: yeah
1: so maybe
0: yeah this was the best match she could make so she just had to go with it
1: yeah actually i i felt like the first maybe 30 minutes three quarters of an hour there's quite a lot of funny, mm. sarky kind of humour.
2: The two guys have a good um, sort of bit of back and forth. The Negin and, and the... Um... Ljenski. Ljenski, yeah.
1: Yeah. Quite, I mean,
2: he's t- quite t- funny. Toby
0: Stevens' character, yeah. Yeah,
2: he adds a bit of, not humour exactly, but something a bit light. You can sort of laugh at him a bit.
0: Yeah, he, it, it gives
1: Anjegin something to react to, I yes. feel.
2: He's a bit of a vessel for that. Yeah,
1: although he is super patronising... <laughs> to him as well yeah it's it's weird though because like when you see the couple of scenes early on of anyagin in st petersburg he's very foppish and kind of snooty and then there's these couple of guys who are like archetypal fops
2: yeah they're like sort of prince george blackadder style sort of really daft rouged up and sort of lolling in their chairs and <laughs>, talking all ridiculous stuff about ballerinas and stuff like that. Yeah, they're
1: being really gross. And yeah. the way that... I don't know. This is, I think, what I meant about it being sympathetic. He, to. And, yeah, can you get...
2: He's and, not exactly one of them.
1: No. He's but a bit he, apart from that. At the same time, he's kind of playing along. But he, from what you were saying, Carrie, your memory of the book is that is that the narrator is a bit more, like, sympathetic to... Anyegin and the way he's turned out than I maybe I, thought.
0: Well, that was just... This is just going from memory. I remember the narrator as kind of liking Anyagin okay, In a way, like, even though he's not a good guy, hmm. there's something about the narrator that likes him. Okay. So it's kind of... If the narrator is Pushkin, and you can't always say that because you don't know, mm. but th- there's something about the character anyagen as... Yeah. Pushkin has written him and mm. appeals if that would have, Pushkin. That could have maybe changed
2: the film a little if he had been a bit more sympathetic because I'm trying to think of things that you would like about the guy. You know, he's privileged I, and he's no. rude and he's aloof
0: and he's kind of... Yeah, there's not much to like. <laughs> no, I, I didn't like him either as I'm reading the book, but you just... There's just not the sense of I will deal with anyagen harshly yeah. mm. in the same way that, say, that French... Tutor, yeah, is that French tutor is clearly ridiculous and awful, and
1: oh yeah, in a <laughs> number buffoonish. of
0: different ways, yeah, buffoonish. That's a good word for it. Whereas you don't quite get the same harshness mm. when he's writing about a
2: I feel like he could have had something, just something, for us to kind of. Well, he's Make well him read for
0: him. He's well read because he's clearly mm. like when Tatiana comes to borrow a book. Mm, I to, think that's maybe
1: like I'm it's just like reading. oh do
0: you do you like this one? Well, I, I found this. Oh, well, maybe this one. Oh, well, th-. so he's clearly read a lot, and yeah. in in the book also he's very well read. He's very intelligent. Like, he has that artistic talent because he's drawing caricatures of people. He draws a sketch of Tatiana in in the movie. Mm. So it's like he has talents. He just doesn't have anything. He has no inclination to do anything. He has no purpose, um, really, does he? Yeah, it's just like, I'm waiting for my uncle to die so that I have a lot of money, and now I have a lot of money. And I... mm. One thing, actually, which I think is what maybe um,
2: Tatiana first is attracted by, is that when they're chatting over the dinner table, when he's, um, he's just moved mm. to the country and inherited mm. this, they ask what he plans to do with this mansion he's just acquired. And he says, well, I'll rent it out. And they say, well, to whom? who's going to farm it and he and says
1: basically there's no the implication being there's no one around here to rent it yeah, to. yeah you and know we're the only family with you know two coins to rub together yeah and
2: they're so baffled and he, and he says well the serfs they'll run it and is that right he says yeah yeah, absolutely. yeah the farmers i guess will run it and they're like wow that's bizarre that's very radical and he yeah. seems to have quite progressive views and then tatiana sort of i think the first line she actually says because she's introduced very as a quiet character and she's sort of this ephemeral kind of quality to her. And then I think her first line is something about why should one human own another due to an accident of birth? And then it's like, oh, my dear, she has very strange views past the wine or something, you know, like dismissively. So they seem to have a similar Mm. understanding. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's possibly what one of the things that Tatiana sees in him, Mm. because there is a certain amount of like, why does she like him yeah and
2: maybe it is you know what one thing he says is that she's just sort of almost um projected her romantic feelings onto this guy that's wandered into her life it could have been anyone Mm. and you think well i mean even though he says it in such a patronizing and sort of i know everything sort of way he could be right in that sense you know she's a young girl and she doesn't obviously know a lot of people living out there and then some sort of handsome stranger walks in it Maybe he's like, oh well, you know, she she's just gotten got chosen me. I could have been anyone really that walked in,
0: but yeah. Well, you you do it with the way they introduce Tatiana and the way they shoot her. You do get the the feeling that she's that very mysterious, dreamy, mm. and there's also a dreamlike quality to her because it. At first, when she's shot, you see her through a window, and then you see her through another window, and then it's through a doorway, and yes. then it, there's like a bookshelf, and it's through the bookshelf, and then like she's apart a from something. Mm-hmm. Exactly, there's constantly something between you and Tatiana, except for the end after she gets married to the other guy. Well, she's then unattainable
2: it's... as well, mm-hmm. which kind of yeah, buys com- into
0: the next bit where she,
2: when he does finally realize that he wants her, she mm-hmm. is unattainable. She's this sort of like,
0: I guess, yeah. Yeah, there's there's always something between them. There's always this dreamlike thing with her and the way her character is throughout Mm -hmm. it. Um, She's
2: almost, like, otherworldly, I thought. mm -hmm. Whereas her sister is very much um, rooted in the here and now. And I think once um, her fiancé has been shot in the duel, you know, she's obviously upset. But then she quickly gets over it and marries someone else and the mother goes, oh, she's always been very practical. Yeah. (laughs) Which is the opposite of, I think, Tatiana is very dreamy and romantic
1: and she's still cut up about the way she used to feel about Anyegin mm. six year, years on because when he comes and declares his like undying love to her she's really 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 upset
2: yeah she feels it very deeply and she's she's crying and she's saying you know obviously she still feels for him but now she, she's married to someone else and she's sworn to be faithful and she just tells him it's too late. So, yeah, it's very much tables have turned in this scenario. And I'm pretty sure he uses some of her words there. Mm. Um, he sort of... um No, she says to him, what do you think you see? Yes. Um, whereas he'd said that to her, as in, like, what does she think he is? And mm. um, Maybe she's just imagining what she wants to imagine. It's the same with him. He's kind of imagining this creature that he wants to obtain like does he actually want her or is it just the idea of her
1: well in the conquest i think she might yeah. use the word like you basically want to sleep with me and then you'll you to know,
2: win almost yeah yeah
1: and he's like no no it's not about that and
2: she also says um is it now that i'm noble that you want me mm. and now i'm worthy
0: of you almost yeah because she one thing i don't think we mentioned is that the guy tatiana marries um, is a very rich very well connected very high birth aristocracy yeah. like she is the unofficial ice queen of St Petersburg society. Nice good description of her actually. Um
1: well and it's... that comes out in the way that that room is decorated. Yes. We
2: very stylized. She's this sort of mm. on almost like an ice throne and she's all in white um and there's sort of wind sort of blow it sounds like this chilly wind kind of
0: blowing around and it just looks like the most icy palace you've ever seen yeah there well, is and a bit. why you would sit in a room like that's all cold marble and no fire yeah. or anything in a St. Petersburg winter she'll catch a chill beyond me yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah. it was Good. It was clearly done for movie reasons not practicality and they use white to sort of describe her quite
2: often don't mm-hmm. they when she writes this letter in this sort of fit of sort of feverish passion she writes this um letter to him and she's in this white gown and then the ink is all over her hands and then she sort of rubs it off on her dress with not a thought for the maids trying to get that stain out
1: <laughs> yeah that's 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 privilege uh, yeah <laughs> the totally actual privilege there isn't it <laughs> yeah, <I don't laughs> like know.
2: lizzie in her muddy petticoats yeah. yeah not a thought for the servants
1: yeah well and yeah and i noticed very much like the scratchiness yes of the, which you it normally almost uncomfortable. yeah well you normally don't get that when you see somebody writing with a quill pen sometimes mm. you get it but it's it's not like this felt like it was really brought forward in the mix and it's really emphasized how scratchy and passionate she's crossing things out yeah like you see her write the word love and then like <laughs> um
0: yeah but then later she does writes it and leaves it she doesn't cross <laughs> it out
2: <laughs> And then yeah be... the white sort of obviously virginal dress being damaged by this black ink and all this sort of stuff
1: yeah so it you could quite easily make the fun of this movie is melodramatic but i think with
0: you can read the book that way so you could read it as it being faithful to the book in that sense because the book was written kind of in the the classical um style well, post a bit romantic yeah post mm-hmm. romantic so it would still have a lot of that influence in it
1: yeah Although the narrator has a very biting, sarcastic Mm. voice.
2: okay. Mm -hmm. That's something you lose in a film instantly, isn't it? Absolutely. The narrative voice.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because the narrator in the book, at least as I remember, which, you know, disclaimers I've already said, I don't remember it very well, (laughs) it's like the narrator is more of a fleshed-out character almost than Anyergen himself is. Mm -hmm. But also, again, going back to the sympathy thing, I think the narrator in the book, likes Tatiana more Mm. than he likes Anyagin. And I feel like the film has a similar attitude. Yeah.
2: She's presented
0: very sympathetically, I think. Yeah. You wouldn't want to make fun of her, I don't think. Well, I think one of the readings that people have had about the book is that Tatiana represents Russia in the way that Russia should be.
2: Oh. In the
0: way, you know, Loves the country, believes in fate and the traditional Russian superstitions, like the th- whole thing with the dream. And she has this book where it's how to interpret dreams and how that being traditional. And in the movie, it tries to do it with like the whole candle wax and the traditional, what does my nanny say? And like, and she- Tatiana is like actually believing it. Mm. Whereas her sister's like, oh, whatever. Yeah. You always just say we'll marry soldiers. Even or- the hairstyles, actually, she has a yeah, very sort of that- provincial the, um, the braid, braid around around mm. her head, like mm. everything that Tatiana does, is like she is Russia and she is pristine and she's great. And it's only after she comes to Saint Petersburg. Well, then
2: she's in this bright scarlet gown with this mm. huge sort of updo, and
0: she's obviously changed, and she, her character's are slightly different as well. She's got a, a bit of fire, and yeah, mm. yeah. So it's it's very very sympathetic to Tatiana, but at the same time, it doesn't criticize the decision Tatiana had to make. No, it's very much just like well. Poor Tatiana. It was like, that record life, damn. Yeah. Um mm. at the time. So
1: Yeah, and it's like she's very in touch with her feelings and her intuition. But at the same time, she it's not like all emotion, no mm. intellect, because she mm. is like you see her going to seek out books. Mm. You know, and that's the like we've already said, one of the things where she has Bond is the wrong word with Anjagin, but that's something where they do connect a little bit. Yes,
2: they're interested in learning and and sort of looking beyond their immediate world around them, potentially.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hmm.
2: That hasn't flowed onto another topic quite (laughs) as easily. What about other sort of themes? Um, I mean, the sort of town and country thing, the theme of love or the theme of fate, I thought kind of popped up quite a lot.
1: Yes. You
0: said that was quite a Russian thing, which is sort of interesting to me. I think, yeah, I mean, we kind of made fun of it more as university students than we should have. But the (laughs) whole idea of fate in Russian literature or Russian society seemed to come up a little bit more than, and people believing in it, a little bit more than in the States and then in the States, there's a bit more of a pull yourself up by the bootstraps you make your own looks sort yes. of a deal. Yep. Um, and people believe that a little bit more than in Russia, where it's a bit more of, well, this is kind of just the way it is, and this is the hand that you've been dealt, and now you have to play it. That's yeah. interesting. And I'm not sure that either view is 100% correct. It's probably somewhere in the middle. Uh,
1: How balanced. I
0: know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh- Sorry, I was mean.
0: Well, and I, I don't want to make it seem like this states in Russia. You know, everyone believes one thing, and and the other. It's pl- they believe the other. Yeah, so it's also a bit of an exaggeration.
1: Yeah, but there definitely, it seems to me that there are like cultural tendencies, and mm-hmm. yeah, being kind of fatalistic is a bit more of a Russian thing. I mean, it does mm-hmm. come up in titles quite a bit. Like there's, Vasily Grossman's Life and Fate. That's mm-hmm. a big one.
0: But the two countries do also have a very different history, yeah, of course. and track. So, yeah, I, I don't want to make it sound like, uh, well, <laughs> Russians should clearly just you know snap out of it when and you look at the country's cheer history. Up, yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it kind of makes a lot of sense why things have developed the way that they have. Yeah, yeah. I
2: wonder where we sit in the UK in terms of whether it's like make your own luck or you know this is the way it's always been. Sort of sentiment.
1: I think we're. Possibly more to the, like, Russian pessimism kind Mm. of, like, stuff sucks and what can you do about it?
2: I think that comes from being an older country. It's almost like you're an older person with sort of the cynicism and the sort of the world weariness, almost, like, that you don't get in maybe... Again, this is hugely general, but Mm. there's sort of, like, even Australia and America, everything seems a bit more vibrant and a bit more optimistic...
1: Well, also, I think having, like, an embedded aristocracy... Yes. I mean, not that, you know, everyone who's in charge of anything is an aristocrat here in the modern times, but it it certainly does help if you kind of have...
2: Yeah, well, even now, now. we're we're built on that foundation. You know, only 100 years ago, that would have been very much the case. So, yeah, we're still trying to sort of shake shake that off, I guess, and that hasn't been the case in younger countries where they've sort of formed themselves
1: yeah or maybe that i don't know. yeah i mean obviously like money talks everywhere but yeah yeah, yeah. here it seems but like... it's
2: how you acquire that money you know mm. fate gives you money if you're a if you're born to it yeah you know you've acquired that by an accident of birth that wasn't how you acquired isn't, you didn't yeah, acquire it you there's, made some, it?
0: there's some duke of something or other who's the godfather of one of uh, wills and kate's kids and it's like his yep. money is, is inherited all the way back from 1066 conquest, and yeah. like you can trace it back and that's why he's one of the richest people in the uk today yeah it's like it's not that somebody invented something somebody and if they had you know new money
2: was very frowned upon if you'd made mm-hmm. your own money 100 but, years ago but the think.
0: fact that it's like a thousand years and yeah you can trace it back a thousand years. Yeah, that's mad, yeah.
1: isn't it? Yeah. It is crazy. I'm glad you didn't say anything treasonous about the monarchy there.
0: <laughs> well, I did call him Wills and Kate instead of referring oh, to them with line. any titles or anything. <laughs> uh, not going to be cast, off, cast out for that. Yeah. Well, I've learned to try to not completely tank Ali's podcast and alienate any, any potential <laughs> audience that he could have. So.
1: Yeah, and we do have a very big monarchist fo- following.
0: <laughs> Maybe Wills and Kate
2: listen, who knows?
1: I, I'm sure they do, I'm sure they do. <laughs> uh, um, did you like the performances, the acting?
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's anything that jarred or seemed odd. Everyone did quite a good job, yeah.
1: It took me a little while to, like, maybe warm to is the wrong word, but Toby Stevens, I'm so used to seeing him as, like, a snarling cat, to see yeah. him as this kind of, like, fairly... How do you even say it? Not very self-confident... Yeah. Slightly anxious guy. That was unusual, seeing him...
2: But again, he did have something that I've seen him him play quite often, that sort of slightly... It's really hard to put your, put your finger on, actually, that um, it's quite a sort of laughable quality he tends to bring, mm. where he's quite all over the place and sort of lovably foolish kind of thing, I think, came through.
1: Okay, I'm trying to think, what else?
2: Like, I... gets things wrong a lot, mm. but it's... yeah, but in a sort of sneering, sort of upper-class sort of way as well.
1: Yeah. As I mainly remember him from that one Bond film that he did, um, and then also, I think he was... Orsino in like Twelfth Night, which is very similar. And in that one, he's very kind of, he's very ruling the roost. Mm. um, Yeah.
0: I thought like Lena Hedy, I thought did a good job. I have no criticism of her acting in this, but she just, her physically and the way Olga's described in the book are a complete mismatch. Yeah. Mm. Um, Because in the book she's described as being blonde haired, blue eyed and... At the time, you know, the, the, a bit more of like the plump round figure yeah, okay. was more of the, like she's the ideal Russian beauty is mm-hmm. what she's supposed to be. And Lena Headey is beautiful. Don't anyone write in and say, how dare you <laughs> think that Lena Headey is anything less than beautiful? Because I don't. She's just not the way I picture the character when I read it. Yeah, interesting. Um, and li- like, she's supposed to be miles more beautiful than Tatiana. Tatiana,
2: well, Liv Tyler was—you know—she's the picture of like, you know, ephemeral be- beauty. She mm-hmm. seems like the pretty sister, but I think it's obviously meant to be the other way around. Yeah, it's, mm. it's definitely
0: meant to be the other way around. I've
1: totally forgotten that. I really totally forgotten that from the. Did book. you really,
0: yeah. really read the book, Ali? <laughs> Because it makes a big deal about, it's like, oh, well, of course Linsky fell in love with Olga. She's the hot one. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to the dreamy, you know, kind of romantic, but, you know, she she's cute, but... But they kind of do that with Pride and Prejudice, I think, because in the book, obviously, Jane's meant
2: to be the beauty of the family. Mm. But in the film, like, Lizzie's really hot, and you think she's meant to be the sort of in Jane's Shadow a little bit and a bit like the quirky one.
1: Oh, are we are we talking about like the the series the... yeah oh the series the, yeah, the, okay. the, the yeah,
0: famous mini series with the lake jumping scene <laughs> and calling birth
1: I've, I've heard of it I've heard of it yeah. I've heard it's a thing that people watch no I was, I was just going to say your wife
0: watches it like what every three months <laughs> something like that <laughs> it's not quite that often
1: yeah okay
2: um... well even in the um, the Joe Wright one I mean what's her name Keira Knightley is obviously a Beautiful actress playing Lizzie, she's maybe a bit too pretty for the part as well.
1: Yes, uh, well, that's what I assumed you were referring to. Because don't don't get me wrong, Jennifer Hale is nice to look at, <laughs> but yeah, um...
2: I go for her over Jane in that one, wouldn't you?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> How do I even answer
2: that <laughs> in front of your wife? Maybe <laughs> it's just preference then. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, awkward. Um, but this this makes me sad that like Liv Tyler isn't in more stuff and not just because she's attractive. Yeah,
2: (laughs) she's did such a good job actually. I thought she's really like presented the character really well.
1: Mm, And she's given a lot to do.
2: Yes. One thing I noticed about her character is that she makes everything very tactile. mm. There's a lot of her sort of um, reading things or seeing things with her hands. Like she touches the way she picks up the papers that he's drawn and even the books and the way she's... I know a lot of the scenes she's in, she's sort of feeling things
0: and I thought that was quite cool. She did a lot of hand acting. Yeah, she's grounded and down to earth, whilst at the same time having
1: that kind of like
0: yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we've
1: used like ethereal quite a yes. lot. Yes,
0: so I thought she was very otherworldly. She was otherworldly, but she's otherworldly, but still connected to the land yeah, and the country that she's in. I guess as
2: well. That just she's quite. I don't know what what the, how you would. Well, I think you what English that's English to t- convey. T- I
1: think you said tactile. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's interesting. I I noticed a thing yesterday. I was doing a a little bit of pre-reading and found out that the Russian Critics Guild gave her an award for best performance by uh, an actress in a foreign film, which is quite a compliment because just taking on this really important work of Russian literature kind of invites critics to be sniffy. Mm. Um, So the fact that Russian critics went... No, she does a good job. A good endorsement, then. In yeah, so that was that was something that quite impressed me. So. Mm.
2: I was just thinking, I mean, again about um, Lena Headey. We obviously mentioned that, but she plays a very different role, and mm. that's the kind of endorsement of her acting abilities. You know, she's in this. We took a while to actually recognise her. i she, you knew who it was, and you yeah. sort of saying, "Do you recognise her?" Just sort of to see whether I could, and then you go, oh, "Wow, it is!" And she's sort of very almost kind of like nerdy sort of quite a bit awkward and silly and sort of not at all regal and evil and all the rest of the things Cersei is yes (laughs) she's
0: supposed to be a light silly kind of slightly
2: thoughtless flirt yes a bit not with the complete lack of that depth that um her sister has
1: yeah like we've already mentioned she moves on very quickly after her you know intended gets his brains blown out
2: yeah which was always going to happen. You just think, oh God, here we go. And he's sort of nervously raising the pistol and we think, oh, I know how this is going to (laughs) end.
1: That was well played. That was a very...
2: It's an amazingly atmospheric scene. Mm. Because they they did it... The duel, you mean? Yeah, Yeah. on the jetty with the sort of mist and the... Yeah, windmill. It's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, and I think we've already said this as well, but it, it is a very impressive film to look
0: at both in terms
1: of costumes but also of the sets and the locations I
0: think that was the scene that they probably changed from the the characterization from the book Hmm. uh, the most in that I don't really don't remember on Yegin trying to stop the duel in the book as much as he does in the movie. Because mm. in the movie, he goes up to Lensky like three times. He's like, really? Do we have to? Are you sure? Yeah. Like, come on. That makes we don't him, have guess, to do this. A bit more sympathetic like, as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, it totally does. Because in the movie, it's very much like, this is ridiculous. Like, come on. this it, There's no point in doing this. And it's Lenski who's like, no, we have to duel. Whereas I think... Honour demands he, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, you know, I, you've offended uh, Olga's honour. Um, whereas... Olga doesn't give a shit. She's just waiting for him to come back home, and he's not gonna, because he's got his brains blown out. Well done. Um, whereas in the book, I think it's just like, okay, well, he's, you know, you've talked him into a duel, and so I'll go out and we'll have the duel, and, you know, then that's the duel, and that's it. Is he very upset about it in the book? Yeah, I mean, he's clearly torn apart, but he also... It goes into his travels a bit more, and about how it's this whirlwind of... Him just going here, there and everywhere and not being happy anywhere he goes Uh, because of what he's just done and what has just happened. the time lapse
2: was difficult to process because six years had obviously passed and he was clearly back in society. And I thought he was referring to the fact that he'd just been in the country and that was him travelling. But he obviously had been Mm travelling and been tormented and restless. But yeah, that didn't... I guess they had to... smash those two bits together and didn't have time to really go into any of that.
1: Yeah it's could have been a nice
2: little montage sequence that. They didn't even have a montage. Even Rocky had a montage. (laughs) Yes. It's
1: a very famous uh, cinema (laughs) montage. Yeah, yeah, him just randomly turning up in Turkey
2: or (laughs) Yeah, him on a train sort of staring brutally out the window as the country's. Oh no that that would have been
1: that would have been very anachronistic.
2: Oh yeah. Oh not a train, yeah Yeah, what am I talking
1: about? No, no, trains I
2: don't know. He could have been on a ship. Well actually a train wouldn't have been this far afterwards because this, this was sort of 1828 I think young queen victoria in the 18 sort of 30s 40s was riding on a little train with prince albert
1: yeah maybe just
2: being just being invented yeah
1: and i think britain was a little bit further ahead as far as trains yeah, fair and enough, stuff was concerned enough.
0: but he could have been on like some boat
1: he could have been, yes. yes Watching Sailing
0: By or Down Rivers or whatever. Yeah. In fact, I was going to mention the
2: opening, which, as with a lot of historical adaptations, began with a slate... Well, this, this, in this instance, it was a sled ride, but often, you see, I find anyway, that these films start with a carriage ride. Like, the character was going somewhere, something's mm. changing, and he was in this sort of black, kind of enclosed... It, it looked like a carriage, but it was going over the snow in a very Russian way. So you, you immediately know, aha, we're in Russia here and there's Russian music and there's ice skating immediately. And, yeah. yeah. But yeah, the, uh, there's a few films, I think, where they start off with the character in a, in a carriage heading towards their story.
1: Yeah. Oh, and, and birch trees, of course, because that <laughs> that's important when you're signalling to people that they're in Russia.
0: Birch trees, really? Birch
1: trees, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Mm. It's like they will iconic. have whole forests that are just birch. See, birch trees
2: here we get rid of on our reserve because oh, they're okay. non native sort of invasive and they oh. we should have sort of oak forest. Mm. Um but lots of birch trees sort of take over quite quickly. Well, so is that they spring native... up
1: very quickly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, rush. Birch trees is almost like the iconic Russian tree oh, that's
2: interesting <laughs> I think they're gorgeous I feel really sad when they chop them down and mm. say oh no we need to have different trees for the for the birds or whatever but yeah I like a birch tree
0: anyway <laughs> I digress <laughs> yeah. but russia does have it ten- I think in colder regions you do get that more where you'll have like one forest where it is all of X tree Wow and it's only x tree
2: but is that because it's been planted in such a way?
0: There is a bit more, like, when you get to colder regions, I, if there's some scientists saying <laughs> and I'm wrong, please correct me, but I think in colder regions you do get more of, you get less biodiversity, so fewer species, but more of each of those species, whereas then you get to the rainforest, you might only have, like, you have thousands and thousands and thousands of different species, yeah. but, you know, only a few of each. Mm. So I think it, it just depends on where are you in that climate belt. Yeah. Because I used to sometimes get asked by Russians, like, what types of forests do you have in the States? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I, I just, I didn't know how to process that question. They're like, well, what kinds of trees are in the forest? Oak or, or birch or this? And they're like, well, yeah, all of those. Yeah, but which one? <laughs> <laughs> like, but, they must not mix. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, but the, it, it is a mix. Like, you know, you have oak and chestnut and the, you know pine and all this stuff together.
2: Yeah.
0: And, nope. Oh, weird.
1: Yeah, I mean well, there, they... was,
2: there was the tree segment anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and and you you said some stuff about like some of the bird calls you noticed. Oh
2: yes, I noticed a green woodpecker yaffling. Um, this is the call that a green woodpecker does. I don't know if you even have green woodpeckers in Russia. Yeah, so... I have no idea.
1: Yeah, or oh, whether they just included it because it sounded good. Probably
2: this happens quite a lot where you hear um, a bird called a bee eater, which is a beautiful kind of rainbow coloured bird, and it lives in Africa or Spain. Um, sometimes in sort of uh, British dramas you'll hear in a sort of woodland setting you'll hear a, a bee eater calling and you're like I uh, don't think that would be there <laughs> <laughs>
0: Nice.
2: there's like a handful of records of them coming over here but yeah. yeah I wonder if the little random woodpecker was just popped in there for effect or you might get eagles like um, in random places you often if there's like a mountain setting somewhere you hear this like an eagle and <laughs> you're like no there wouldn't be an eagle there actually unless you're in Scotland or something <laughs> <laughs> nice. so that's something I notice anyway there's always something if you have any field of expertise i imagine if you're watching a film that you spot and you go that's not right
1: (laughs) yeah all right so does this make you want to check out the book jenny
2: well i've had such mixed reviews carrie loves it you forgot it (laughs) so (laughs) well
1: that's because carrie is a better reader
0: than me
2: (laughs) and she did read it before watching the film maybe i don't have that i read it
0: you know, first ten years ago or yeah. something. You know, and our Russian professors were almost, almost like you must love this book because it is so amazing. And I, I think I liked it better the second time I read it because it wasn't like I must read this and write a paper on it. Sure, yeah. So I, I could just go at my own pace. But mm. I did like it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I might check it out actually, and it's made me want to check out more about Pushkin. Um, mm. He sounds like he's got an interesting backstory himself, um, and sort of the works that he did and his influence. And his sideburns. Yes, and more importantly, his sideburns. <laughs>
1: yeah, one of these days we'll have to cover that movie. Yeah,
0: Which there's one? A movie called Sideburns. Pushkin sideburns.
1: Well, it's called Sideburns, but it's about these like Pushkinists. <laughs> it's very weird.
2: <laughs> I was it, joking, they, but this
0: sounds like actually yeah, is, a movie. <laughs> it is actually a movie. It is, it is actually oh, wow. a movie where they dress like him and they grow out these insane sideburns.
1: And they beat people up with canes while reciting
0: Pushkin's poems. Yeah, (laughs) what? Yeah, yeah. Anyway,
1: yeah. Um, How did you rate this as a a period drama? Would this appeal to other period drama fans? Is it a good example of the genre?
2: I think it is. Yeah, it is a good example of the genre. Um, It seems quite faithful to its original text and the sort of spirit of the book. Um, It seems to get apart from the green woodpecker. It seems to get a lot of the details right. Um, I thought the costumes were fantastic. It's, it seemed to me like a kind of well, it was it was 1828, and that seemed spot on. You have got those big puffy sleeves, and the empire line has sort of started to move down into this sort of more triangle, like two triangles touching sort of silhouette for the woman, and the hairdo, and the, the dropped shoulder neckline and stuff. So I was like, yep, yeah, that that makes me think it is set around that time, and it turned out that it was. So yeah, yeah seemed pretty spot on. And again, if you if you like watching a period drama for the same reason as I do, that you kind of escape to that other world and you get a little glimpse, even though it's fiction, of life in sort of 1820s Russia or certainly that level of society and and those people, then, yeah,
0: I think it does that job admirably. Awesome. Any final thoughts from you, Carrie? No, I mean, generally I liked it. I mean, like I said, I liked the book better, but um, yeah, I, I encourage you to both read the book and watch the movie.
1: <laughs> Again, very balanced.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you very much both for joining me for this episode.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: It's been a lot of fun.
0: Am I supposed to say thank you for having me as well? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know I don't mean it. Making...
2: <laughs> this, is <why laughs> this is why you I don't just... invite her on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think Carrie enjoys making trouble. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Uh, you, you you really should check out that other episode. It's it's a nightmare. <laughs> um, but yes, anyway. So Jenny, is there anywhere online or whatever that you'd like to direct people towards?
2: Ooh, yeah. You can come and say hi on Twitter. My handle is at Jenny Shelton Cam, because I used to be affiliated with the Cambridge News, but now I can't change my Twitter handle, so. Cam stands for Cambridge, in case you wondered. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you, you would, yeah, you'd be kind of starting from scratch, which is a pain when yeah.
2: established. There is at Jenny Shelton, but she hasn't tweeted, and it's so maddening, and I'm like, oh, I want that handle. But apparently Twitter can't do anything about that.
1: That's, that's unfortunate. There should be like a, you know, use, use it within like five years or it likes Yeah,
2: lapses. yeah. Dormancy rules. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm on Twitter. I tweet a lot about birds and wildlife.
1: How very
2: appropriate. Yeah, indeed. Um, but also some culture well, for I, balance.
1: Although I suspect that Twitter wouldn't have grown to the extent that it has if it had been strictly, you know, ornithological stuff.
2: Well, it should be, really, by its <laughs> very name. Yeah,
1: this is a bird-based only form of social media. You so... must only really
2: talk about birds. <laughs> that could fill a lot of Twitter. In fact, there's a lot of very interesting stuff which I'd try and retweet about birds i'm trying to think of a fact that i can back that up with um oh i have a good one for you i don't if i don't know if this is going out before easter but the origin of the easter bunny story is rooted in a bird myth which is um
1: that's counterintuitive
2: well i guess so yeah i mean it's kind of so lapwings are a kind of bird that you might have seen sort of black and white with a little flicky bit at the back um and they live in sort of farmland areas and they lay their eggs in fields, just sort of straight on the ground. But they often lay them in little scrapes that are made by hares. So back in the days of yore, to be specific, um, <laughs> people would wander around the fields and see lapwings and hares in the same field together. And then they also might come across lapwing eggs in the hare scrapes. So they put two, two and two together and made ten and said, Oh my God, the, the rabbits, the hares are laying the eggs. And um, nice. that's that's the origin of the Easter Bunny story. Oh, awesome. wow, there's a little bird fact for you. Did yeah. not know that.
1: That's well, cool. Well, on that note...
2: <laughs> you weren't expecting that, were you?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, well, thank you very much for joining me again, and thank you, listeners. And dasvidaniya, folks.
2: Dasvidaniya. Cheerio.
1: So that's it for this episode, but before I go, I'd like to thank Sasha Ilukovich and the highly skilled migrants for the use of their song Cold in our intro. You can find that song and the rest of their back catalogue on Bandcamp and Spotify. If you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting us by leaving a rating at Apple Podcasts or at Podchaser.com. That second one, Podchaser, even lets you rate individual episodes, so if this episode particularly stood out to you, you can let other listeners know that you enjoyed it. Recommending the show on social media is hugely helpful as well. If you can spare a moment or two to do that, it would really make my day. Thank you, thank you very much. Speaking of social media... Please find us and say hi on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. You can also drop us a line at rusfilesunite at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, take care of yourselves, and bye for now.